I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep, the podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode where we watch Netflix's new movie, Concrete Cowboy, directed by Ricky Staub and starring Adrice Elba and Caleb McLaughlin. Let's go to our conversation about Concrete Cowboy already in progress. Let's jump in, sleepyheads. Well, let me start off by saying that Idris Elba needs to be Bond, uh, right? Idris Elba needs I to saw, be in everything. <laughs> I, I love him. <laughs> I I saw, I was watching a YouTube interview with him talking about this movie. And he's like, right. And he's got his like, thick British accent. I'm like, oh my gosh. And he's wearing this like beanie from 2007 that is so long and like barely on his forehead. And he's just got this like... <laughs> chin stubble and i'm like this is the real him right now. oh yeah and i love it so right this movie <laughs> like this is bond this is your bond people yeah i, I but, mean he's, uh, you know at this point he's probably too old to start but they really missed the boat on this 10 years ago i know yeah uh, i i mean i don't i think he could be like a gray fox bond yeah right oh i think he, no? he could do it for 10 years he's only 48 or as part of is part of bond the the like we need 10 movies out of you it, is that see, it might be at this point and the way that the scheduling works they take their sweet time making bond movies because daniel right. craig has been bond for almost 20 years and we've still only no yeah it was well it, casino royale was 2000 what six um that is insane 2006 and so he was probably cast in what oh four um and so he, I, yeah 15 years 16 years he's been bond um and they've only made four movies that that is mind-blowing to me uh okay yeah. so concrete cowboy how much of your viewing experience was colored by how much of the wire you have watched <laughs> or, or it's true <laughs> because well just like uh, i like i said i know him to be british uh-huh, sure. and then i'm like all right stringer we're back baby it's cowboy stringer i mean well i'll say because that's just my favorite role of his sure. or most impactful role for me and and an introduction to him as an actor yeah and so um, hearing that, it's not the same accent, but that kind of American. But yeah, it's, and it's, it's, I mean, he's in Philly in this movie. It's closer to that Baltimore accent than anything else he's probably done. It's not Luther. No, no, it's not Luther. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not Charles. I feel like not, he's in every, I, it's not Charles Minor uh, from The Office. <laughs> oh my gosh he's in so many things that i fr- and i, I know. can't th- i can never th- like i know he's in every movie but i can't think of any of them yeah uh i yeah, but it, it's not just to drisel but method man shows up here in Cal- <laughs> method man showed up, i was like oh my god uh, this movie's amazing <laughs> i was and very he's like, pleased he he's the t- he's a character i love which is he's not quite uh comedic relief uh-huh but he's not a dad figure he's like a fun uncle yeah. an actual fun uncle yes. who's 
bowling alley didn't burn down which which is like the irony of course is that uh who's who's bowling alley did not burn down the the irony is that method man you know for for me i know people know him for like his uh music career but i know him as uh randy's uncle in <laughs> the wire <laughs> and, right. and he's just like not a good dude in that show <laughs> right uh no he i i loved him but anyway so what were you asking Idris or yeah what was your question uh, Idris yeah, Elba's The Wire I, I was asking mostly like how much of Concrete Cowboy uh, how much of The Wire were you thinking about while you were watching this movie yeah I mean it stopped with his accent yeah like I I think I okay I will say this though as I was watching it and as it ended I was thinking this feels potentially TV showy yes the, the the world that they created and like i i'll say this in general i liked the movie um but at the end i i think i wanted to explore these characters a lot more than yeah. what could have been done in those two hours i guess yeah so i this is probably a good time to just introduce a little bit concrete cowboy this is the new netflix movie um it stars Idris elba and uh, the main the main character is Caleb McLaughlin, who's the one of the young kids in uh, Stranger Things, and um, Caleb McLaughlin plays Cole. Adri Elba is his estranged father, Harp, and basically Cole gets dropped off by his mom, who is what mom's living in Detroit, and she can't handle yeah, it anymore. Detroit. She brings Cole to yeah. The mom's a little tropey. Yeah. But- and she's only in a scene and a half, basically. But mom can't handle Cole and his bad behavior anymore, so she basically drops him off in Philly for the summer to, you know, reconnect with her dad and or his dad. And um, it's kind of like Cole, you know, entering into this world he knows nothing about with a man he he doesn't know at all, really. And yeah. and that world is this kind of. Um, uh, the, the, the Fletcher Street Stables, which is like this horse riding um, group, community, community. Um, of mostly um, you know, African-American residents of the city. And they kind of draw on this rich heritage of, of horse stables in you know, the urban core of Philadelphia. And, and this is all based on a true... Not only is it true, true community. Yeah, not only is it based on a true community, but many of the actors in the film are real yes. Fletcher Street cowboys. Um, <laughs> that was the other wire hitter where it's like, okay, yes. you guys are, this is very real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I'll say when the credits started rolling, because I like this movie also, when the credits started rolling and I and then you find out that a bunch of these people were basically playing versions of themselves, I was like, oh, I actually really even liked it a lot more. Um, yeah. And... And I wish I had maybe known that going in, or I wish maybe it was more about the community itself. But right. my, my feeling about the movie was, I like this, it's leaving me actually wanting more, which, you know, if a movie is going to fail somewhere, I think that's a pretty good place to fail. Uh, right, right. You know, it, it, it's yeah. better than me being tired absolutely of everything about it. Right. Like, it, it not not quite scratching the surface or, or just scratching the surface, I should say. Yes. And and having that sense of, I want to know so much more about this community, like even if it was a documentary series or or even a show like The Wire that, you know, just had that um, that breadth 
of it yeah. and ability to explore a lot of lot more than two hours would allow on Netflix. Yeah, because that's the thing. The story is is great, and the the like cowboy community is the backdrop for yeah. it. But I'm like, I want to know more so so much more about them than um, necessarily like this specific story. Yeah, I mean, the story is great, but I want to know more. I think I'll, you know? I'll, I'll kind of point to the the storyline that I was least interested in and was most bored by every time it yes. came on screen, which is the drug storyline with his friend Smoosh. Yes. S- Smoosh. hundred um, percent. I, I called him smudge, smooge, snot boogie. Like, th- yeah. <laughs> Stop. Have to, man. Yeah. This is America. Uh, I've watched that scene. I've watched the intro scene to the wire probably 30 times. Yeah, me too. And I've finished the wire series all five seasons once. You only finished it once. It's wait once. I, I, I think I finished it three times. I, I finished season one a couple times, yeah. but the series once. Yeah. Uh, I always equate it to Moby Dick, which I have not read, but I've started many times. Uh, you know, so, so, and, you know, I asked that question about The Wire earlier because that, that was something that, that was coming to my mind uh, quite a few times throughout this movie. I mean, I, I, the fact that Idris Elba is pl- is kind of playing this role in this movie, obviously, is drawing, and Method Man shows up as I'm drawing my attention there. But the drug storyline, especially, and this is like kind of a negative comparison because The Wire does these kind of street level drug character storylines so much better. And, and mm-hmm. in fairness, The Wire gets to do it over 50 hours on a TV show. Right. And right. this is trying to, this is like a B-plot of a, of a narrative that's really not about that, but it has to be yeah. there or something. And I, I just kept thinking, like, I, I am so uninterested in the character of Smush and this friendship and what he's dragging Cole into and yeah there I have no sympathy for him and so when he you know he gets shot late in the film uh, spoilers yeah I'm I'm not surprised and also I'm not like moved in, in the way that I think maybe the movie wants me to be yeah it's like we're kind of waiting for him to get got yeah and that's going to serve the, the you know kind of Cole's narrative and his growing and his trajectory in that um, yeah and, it, you know, it, it, it's a shame because if it had been like a character on a show like The Wire, I would have gotten 10 hours of backstory about this kid and watched him hang out with people and watched him, you know. Seen their arc. Yeah, even though he's a, you know, he's the fifth lead in the movie. Um, right. And Right. And part Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I, I, I want to be fair because it is just a movie. Uh, yeah. There, there's not a lot that they can do. Um, but that storyline bored me. And, and part, part of that is I've seen other things that do it so much better. Yeah. I think for me with Smush, it was that the choices this guy's making make zero sense and are so taking me out of it that he thinks that him and a friend that he hasn't seen in 10 years and a friend who who doesn't seem that interested. (laughs) Yeah. Who's never done this before. Clearly (laughs) these two are going to take over the drug game in Philadelphia (laughs) And are going to take over these corners from this this like villain that is obviously very intimidating and powerful. Yeah, they're like, we got this. <laughs> I was like, that makes no sense. No, and and that's why, yeah, that's why it's harder for me to care about what you're doing because nothing about what you're doing feels real. Yeah, and and there's even the villain, which is very Bond villain esque <laughs> with his like with fish tank that he feeds. 
Well, he's got sideburns, but he's feeding fish. I was waiting for a piranha to like jump out and like, this is what I'm going to do to you. And he's got a girl sitting on his lap classically. Just like there was like that scene specifically where he they go to that party. I'm like, there's, yeah, there's too many beats of this that are so uh, not played, but um, tropey. And, and so that was that was my least favorite part. And it's but it's not to say that the movie doesn't understand or that the movie's not interested in kind of the nuance of kind of the drug scene and culture, because there's that scene um, at some point in the movie where um, Cole is talking to Paris, the, the, the re- mm. one of the real Fletcher street guys who's in a wheelchair and Cole is helping take care of Paris's horse. And Cole, Cole asked him, how did you get, how'd you end up in the chair? Right. And Paris gives him this, tells him the story of, you know, him and his, younger brother are out causing trouble or whatever they're and they're fighting over he says we're fighting over nothing and they were yeah. and then he said we were fighting over a, a drug corner they were they were basically doing what cole and his and smush were, were going to try and do which was take take over these drug corners and they get shot his younger brother dies he's paralyzed and then he you know he looks at cole and he says uh we were fighting over nothing the city put a starbucks on that corner now and mm. And I thought, right? Oh, that—that's a. The, the movie's really interested in something about those moments hit a lot harder. Yes, and and so so the movie's aware, and the movie has you know that it is not ignorant to really important key issues happening right now in America in the in the inner city. Um, it just didn't handle that one storyline super well. Yeah, every time it went to that storyline, it felt disconnected from the the meat of 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 what i what, of what was interesting you yeah. know like part of it too is that idris elba is not in the movie a ton yeah i know and i'm like oh there could have been so much more development between those two because yeah. the scenes they do have together caleb and idris elba yeah or what what's um what's his name in the movie cole cole, cole and in the and idris plays harp yeah cole and harp um their scenes together are amazing but that's what I was going to say. My, you know, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and and I bring this up to say, you know, really commend the movie for how affected I I thought this scene was, but also um, kind of a shortcoming of the film is this scene between the two of them. Harp helped Paris by you know building this custom um, saddle for a horse that someone in a wheelchair could use, and basically Cole is accusing his dad later in the apartment of yeah. being a father figure to all these other guys out here at the stables and not to, to Cole. And, you know, yeah. as, as evidenced by the fact that he hasn't been around in his life and Idris gives this great monologue about Cole's birth. And, and at this point, the, even since Cole has been there, yeah, they haven't had much of a relationship. No. And because Cole's been flirting with the, like, yeah, the drug, drug life. Yeah. And, and Idris is, like, not about that and has warned him off of it. Um, but, yeah, Harp gets this great monologue about he was going to go to jail. He was he was headed to prison when his son was, before his son was born. He But he made, you know, he, he went out of his way to make sure he got to name this kid. And he talks about... John Coltrane? Yeah, yeah. Um, this monologue about John Coltrane and music and fatherhood and fatherlessness and i i love that scene and 
that felt like that came about halfway through the movie and but it feels it feels like the emotional climax of the movie and right well the only thing i was gonna say like my favorite scene in the movie is it is like the the two scenes that they do have mm-hmm. uh, like kind of two extremes is that one and then when cole has run away after uh what's his name gosh this is smush. so consistent smush <laughs> S-H. I want to do D-G-E. <laughs> when Smush got, has gotten killed and uh, Cole is gone missing. And so mm. uh, his dad is driving around trying to find him. And he's and Cole's back at the stables, which at yeah. this point have been emptied because the yeah. city came in and uh, took the horses away. But like the scene where his dad... Harp is washing him, washing oh, Cole, yeah, because he's got uh, Smush's blood, blood on yeah. him. Like that scene to me, I, I cannot recall a more intimate father-son yeah. moment on, on in any movie that I've that I can just like off the top of my head like connect with. Yeah, and so like that, like, and it's probably my favorite shot too, and and how vulnerable it is. And yeah. how it reminded me of giving Abel a bath, who's mm. not even two. Um, like like that scene and their big fight and kind of explanation earlier that you were talking about are so great. Yeah, and it's like those are our only moments with them, though. Yeah, it's like this could have been the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> like obviously not that explosive or that um, the depth. Yeah, you know all the time, but there could have been a lot more just everyday interactions with them that built those moments up even more because yes. i thought those moments were powerful but yeah yeah if you can like somehow the drug storyline yeah, was a distraction somehow minimize the drug storyline and give us more of the father-son stuff i think i think the movie ends up being a lot more successful and i, and I like the movie um but okay yeah uh do you have anything more to say on this just kind of this kind of stuff because i have a question general yeah stuff? just general i mean the, the one one of the things I just wanted to point out was Caleb's performance mm, because, yeah. um, again, I mean Stranger Things fame, and so he's kind of in Arrested Development in my head, mm. like uh, he's he kind of lives over there. But I thought it was pretty striking his ability to flip from faux tough guy energy to like desperate child, yeah. And he did it in three scenes that stuck out mm. with one when his mom drops him off, yeah. And he's like, yo, like, yeah. I'm not staying here. And then she, like, is driving off. He's like, mommy, please. Yes. And it's not it's not funny no. or, you know. No, like it's real. What I just did. Yeah. But you see him switch so naturally into, yeah. like, my guards are down. I need my mom. Yeah. And she just drives off. And then this, and the scene you're talking about where he's kind of expressing that lack from his dad. Yeah. You see the kid show up again. Yeah. Because throughout the whole movie, he's driving around, smoking, trying to get into the drug game. And then obviously, too, when he's being bathed by his father, yeah. you know, at I don't know how old he is supposed to be in the movie, but, you know, yeah, late high school. Um, I was just really impressed by his work in this thing. Yeah, I it's interesting. This is our second week in a row of watching a movie with one of the Stranger Things kids. <laughs> Eleven is in. Godzilla. Oh, that's the new thing for this podcast. All we do <laughs> is follow these kids around, and their, I think, and I, and I think, 
uh, I think she's fine, but I think what Caleb McLaughlin's doing is really, uh, he's maturing as an actor. Um, yeah, and it, it's some good work. Very good. And it, and it, like he, yeah, especially being in a scene with Idris and being able to stand his own. But anyway, what you were going to ask? Him. So, so we kind of talk about this movie in general. Um, one of the kind of core things about this film that's really interesting to me is the genre that it is. Uh, this is kind of presented as a Western. Mm. And so I wanted to kind of ask you, and, and it's kind of presented as Western. And then they also talk about Westerns. They talk about um, cowboy culture in America. They talk about Western films specifically and call it, kind of call them out for the way they whitewash the American West and cowboys. And, you know, they, they throw some statistics, which I, as I've seen other places um, that I think, think are, this is real kind of based on real stuff of like huge number of cowboys in the American West were actually black and freed slaves. And that's not represented in any meaningful way in, you know, a hundred right. years of movie history of Westerns. <laughs> and we only think John Wayne, yeah, Clint Eastwood. Exactly. Um, and how, and how so many of them were, you know, this post-Civil War, um, African-Americans, freed slaves. And, and, the, and they talk about that in the movie. So my question for you is, um, did, did you feel like this was a Western? And, and kind of what's your background with that genre? Yeah, well, I, I don't think I... I mean, I've only seen some of the classics. Yeah. Like, I remember when me and Sarah first started dating, we did a spaghetti Western date where we, like, made lasagna and watched The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. And I think she fell asleep. It's very long. <laughs> it's very long. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a masterpiece, but, but it's long. Yeah, you know, it's, it's fine. I think I've listened to more of the soundtracks from Westerns than I have watched them. Yeah. Because I do enjoy them, but I, in my head, they're all The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, and it's kind of a slog. Um, so I honestly don't have a lot of experience with them. And this made me more interested. And so even deciding or, or um, you know, making a judgment call of if this fits the Western bill, I don't feel as qualified for. Uh, if, I guess, what would you say? What like would you some, some of the, like what makes a Western? Uh, yeah, what makes a Western to you and, and, and what of that is in this movie? I mean, obviously setting. Yeah, but, but this is in I Philly. <laughs> right. Well, th- that's... That's what was special about it. I thought that, like, I, I do feel pretty torn on this movie in a lot of ways because I think it could have been so good. Yeah. I, and I think it was pretty good. Yeah. But I think it could have been so good because the cinematography to me is so great. Consistently, yes. like, there are a couple favorite shot moments yeah. that are breathtaking. I but, love um, the I, use I, of a lot of, like, deep focus on characters that was mm-hmm. that was not static it really kind of uh, you you could see the focus would change even in single shots as characters would move down the street and it's this really great you know steady cam work i mean this is like this was a first time director ricky staub this is his first yeah. movie and i was impressed yeah and one of the frames that comes to mind is when he's carrying his clothes in trash bags down the street, but yeah. it's golden hour and yeah. he's just like a silhouette lit up with these like city building silhouettes yeah. around him. Yes. But it's golden hour and it did feel that kind of special uh landscape yeah. of the Western. 
Well, and maybe that that idea of this like lone wanderer, I, lone I ranger. Agree. That was one of the trying the, to find his way. The one of the segments that really stuck out to me as a as a western, and I I, I guess I was really fascinated by the movie because uh, <laughs> I you know I've seen some and, I, and 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 I I always find I like them more than I think I will, um, mm. because in my head they feel like kind of stuffy old movies. We don't make a lot of westerns anymore. We make you know, superhero movies and, and sci-fi this stuff. And that that's kind of the genre stuff that's really popular right now. But like, they feel like they're going to be either problematic yeah. or, <laughs> or um, just kind of almost cheesy. And they're like guns ablazing. Yeah. Like there's not going to be a lot of depth to pull from them. Yeah. That's what I feel. Yeah. Yeah. That's the impression. As, and I was impressed because I really felt like this movie recontextualizes a lot of the Western tropes into kind of this inner city urban landscape um, yeah, and, and and that is not what I would initially think. Oh, that's going to work seamlessly, but I think it does. Um, and I think it only works because it's about this, you know, these horse stables. And I think, you know, it's very real community. <laughs> the fact that you get to have a lot of scenes with horses does kind of help direct your mind there. Um, Did you ever feel like this is an unnatural? like scene like there there weren't a lot of moments where i was like this feels out of place seeing these horses here which like was fascinating to me because of the setting yeah i mean that i never felt <laughs> off to no, me. no 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 i see what you're saying and i i agree i really felt like they do such a good job of creating a place that feels like it's been there for decades and mm. and so even even though it maybe on paper is kind of seems out of place because it's horses in the inner city or whatever horse stables in the inner city. It's like, no, this feels very real because yeah, it, it, you know, the scene where he's uh, scooping the horse manure and you know, the guy helps him. Okay. You got to get the wheelbarrow. And then he, he's going one shovel at yeah, a time. One shovel at a time. Then he gets the wheelbarrow up the first, you know, ramp onto the tra- tractor trailer and then onto the second one and he dumps it out. And all these, older guys are like sitting under an easy up across the street watching him and they all applaud you know applaud him it just feels like when, when they're they were making fun of when him they were before. making fun of me yeah it just feels but like, just that like kind of old man energy yes. like look at this guy trying to figure this out but also like oh this is a real community and yeah the the movie does a good job of kind of showing that and so it feels like a very lived in quality to it i was impressed by um i don't know what production was like in terms of if they were filming it you know in philly in in some of these real places but um i saw caleb uh talk about the scene where uh smush almost gets killed in the trunk of that car mm, and that's in philly mm, so i wonder if a lot of the movie was actually shot in philly yeah i it probably was um oh yeah filming was in north north philly I like that you point to that scene of him wandering around that night looking for a place to stay with his bags. And it's that felt very much like a a Western. It kind of reminded me, it kind of reminds me as I talk about it now of like, this is an, this is an amazing movie, but the opening 20 minutes or so of there will be blood where you're just watching Mm. Daniel Plainview make his way alone on the plains searching for oil and and it's just kind of um you know this one man lost in this last in this vast landscape um trying to make his way and i think they capture some of the essence of that in this it's very different um but but i can see the kind of connective tissue between those things yeah and 
similarly, it reminded me of, um, I mean, we know we talk about it a lot in the podcast, but Blood Meridian, the kid. Yeah, and yes. he's like just getting thrown out into the mud. And uh, one of the women in the movie, um, I don't remember her name because that's my job on this podcast is to not remember. Are you talking about the, the main woman that seems yeah. to kind of run the show? Nessie. Yeah. Nessie. Yeah. When she's like, you haven't uh, eaten slop yet or you haven't. Yeah. It's the prodigal son comparison. Yeah. Yes. Of like, you haven't been to hell and back. You haven't really eaten pig yet. slop yet. Yeah. yeah. But um, that feels very blood meridian at first, or maybe, maybe Westerns on a whole, on the whole of just, just finding your way in the lowest of places. I thought about uh, blood meridian a lot, a few times, but I really thought about um, all the pretty horses, um, mm. another Cormac McCarthy novel, and just kind of that story has endless pages of descriptions of these characters basically breaking and taming horses. Right. And and how obsessed McCarthy is with those images and those actions and that work of, you know, cowboys. And that's what they did, you know. And that's that's so present in this movie. Um, so I, I, I was really, it was really interesting to kind of, that my mind kept draw, being drawn back to a totally different setting. You know, it's South Texas, it's Mexico in all the pretty horses. Right. And, and, and that movie, you know, it's these, it's these boys that end up in Mexico, or I'm sorry, that book, these boys end up in Mexico in a place that's not their own. And, you know, they are basically trying to tame horses to make a way. And, Right. And it's like, oh, that's what's happening here in Philly. You know, it's it's Cole in a place that's not his own and this weird little community that's sprung up of that they've they have broken and tamed these horses and they've built their community around it. Uh I, yeah. I I'm I'm really fascinated by how well I think it does end up fitting into um if not conventionally, but still fitting into the Western genre. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, like there's a scene where they're the concrete cowboys are all sitting around campfire. I mean, yeah. there's lots oh. of scenes like that. Which you know what's funny about the movie is I was I was thinking about it today, just trying to get a sense of it and how I remember it feeling. And it 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 has this like lackadaisical pace mm-hmm. to it to me. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to trying to compare it. And I'm like, it did feel a little just sitting around a campfire. Yes. Like it, it, it didn't feel like here's these massive ups and downs that you're kind of experiencing as more of a traditional movie plot yeah. line. It just felt like we're doing this for a while. Yeah. And and Cole's just kind of going th- going through the... Um, I, I know there are climactic moments. I don't know what I'm trying to get at right now. But it, it felt the pace was more leisurely. I, but you know, a, I saw in that... In an effective way. I saw that as a kind of complaint from a few critics that they thought the movie was very slow. And... I also thought the movie was slow, but slow is like the negative version of what you're describing. I, I had, I had yeah, no problem with like, the pace. The pace was slower than yeah. m- maybe most, but it felt appropriate. Yes. And that and campfire I wasn't, scene... I wasn't bored at all. No. I wasn't bored at all. No, I wasn't bored, and, and everything looked so good, and the acting was really good in it yeah. that I had no problem. And that campfire scene, I just wanted to hang out with those guys and listen to them talk about the horse stables, right. the history of it. Well, I, and I bring it up because, again, I'm like, I'm just wanting to know so much more about the history of this. Yeah. 
because um, and, and we were talking about a little bit before the pod, but I don't know if Criterion did this as a response, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, response or opportunity yeah. to like you know play on the fact that this big Netflix movie was getting released, which I think it was trending number one. Yeah, the weekend it came out, yeah, it was. and it's been in the top ten since. Yeah. But um, Criterion did their Black Cowboys uh, like Western collection. Yeah. Yeah, cr- cr- kind the of- Criterion streaming channel will do this. Will they? They will, you know, if it's a new month or you know, like last month it was Women's History Month. So they did this, um, where they kind of gather a collection of movies and kind of present it as a package. But what I love about what they do is they also will give some bonus content with some of their curators or uh, film scholars, interviews, talking about kind of the importance. So yeah, this this month on basically the same weekend that <laughs> Concrete Cowboy comes out, they release their <laughs> 10 black cowboy movies yeah which again with concrete cowboy kind of starting this off of me not realizing the rich history yeah you know and you you were you were talking about like what one of the characters says in in the movie yeah um about the even the the term cowboy in this campfire scene they're they're talking about the whitewashing of kind of cowboy culture in the American West and, you know, all these cowboys that were, were African American and how that term cowboy used to be originated in the American West as this derogatory term for a black ranch worker that the white cow, the, the white ranch workers were called cow hands and the black ones were called cowboys as in bring that cow boy, boy. And, right. And, and, and it was, you know, it was offensive and it was, you know, basically a term that was used for slaves and recently freed slaves. And then, then the term gets adopted by everybody and then it gets, you know, it's, it, it is codified. Put into, through the Hollywood machine. Yeah, it's codified into American culture by John Wayne. Uh, right. It's idolized the term. Yes. And, and they talk about the whitewashing of. Uh, of it in Hollywood, and so, and I didn't, I didn't have a ton of time this week to watch. I mean, I did. I would be lovely to have watched all ten of the Criterion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, did you get a chance to watch any of them? No. So I hopped on, seeing that they posted about this, and started started one of the movies yeah. tonight, actually, before the pod. Um, and it, what's it called? Sergeant Rutledge. Yeah. Yeah. So actually that's the one that, um, that's the one that I watched Sergeant, Sergeant Rutledge. And it was like the first 10 minutes. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm watching this. Yeah. Um, Sergeant Rutledge. And the reason I kind of picked that one is, uh, it's a great movie. If you can find it, if you can seek it out, it's, it's totally worth watching. It's a great old Western um, but I, I picked it out because it's directed and by... And ladies and gents, Criterion does a 30-day free That's true. trial That's true. if you want to check some of these out. Yeah. But go ahead. Tons of great stuff on there. Um, Sergeant Rutledge is directed by John Ford, who, like, John Ford is was, was one of the most prominent, important filmmakers of kind of that early era of Hollywood filmmaking. I mean, he made a ton of silent films and then and then transition really well into the talkie era and like this is the guy who directed stagecoach and the searchers which are classic classic westerns with john wayne and he then makes sergeant rutledge which is one of the first mainstream hollywood movies to feature a black lead character um 
and the fact which that, is wild that it, it's a cowboy yes it, exactly wild that it is a yeah. it is a western movie cowboy role yeah and you know these kind of cowboy soldiers in the west um but what was so interesting to me about the movie is uh, do you know what the plot is Mm. Um, Sergeant Rel- I just got like the first yeah. 10 minutes in. Sergeant Relage is this is a black soldier uh, who's been car- court-martialed um, and kind of wrongfully accused of uh, rape and murder um, uh, and, uh, of this white girl and, and her dad. And, and then he's defended by this white commanding officer, this white soldier. Uh, kind of like... To Kill a Mockingbird, the courtroom stuff from from that, but mm-hmm. but centered and, and placed into the American West, and yeah. the the movie's then told through testimony and flashbacks. So different characters present their testimony, and then you see that in flashback. And what was so fascinating to me about the movie is that every character that gets to then tell the story of what happened is a white character, and oh God. <laughs> and. And then it's and it's always ter- told from their point of view, and Sergeant Rutledge never ends up testifying for himself. And the movie excuses it, you know, it's his it's his whatever Fifth Amendment Fifth Amendment right, but the black lead never gets to actually tell his story. And God. and I think you know the the movie wants to present it as like oh this is this noble thing and and it 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 does address racism obviously in the film and it it addresses it outright in some unique and interesting ways but it's still such a product of it's time 60 but also (laughs) it's 19 what 1960 it's it's still a product of this movie from 60 years ago where (laughs) we're gonna they're like wait (laughs) we what (laughs) we didn't do something (laughs) so i don't mistake that we made i don't don't mean to lay the blame on the movie obviously it's such a product of its time but it's interesting now to watch concrete cowboy which i don't know that i can't i don't know if i can remember a white character speaking a line in this movie I think it's just the security, the security guard playing officer. a Game Boy. Yeah, he's playing a Game Boy. I was Boy. like, what year? It's, it's kind of ambiguous as to what year this movie is supposed to take place. Uh, another character had a flip phone, so it, it's got to be. Yeah, I felt like it was a little yeah. bit, you know, 15 years ago, you know, early early aughts. But, um, and that was something that I did appreciate about Concrete Cowboy and its own awareness of that. There's kind of that meta conversation about uh, Hollywood Westerns and, who gets right. to tell our well, stories and and the fact that they had real Philadelphia cowboys yeah yeah and and then as actors and then getting to talk about it that this key part of the storyline in this community is that then the city is trying to get rid of them <laughs> right like trying to get rid of them their culture the their heritage history their history by shutting down all of these stables and that's you know this moment late in the film where harp asks everybody what stable did you come from and they all name stables that are now defunct and his point right. being you know they're they are like the cowboys in the west they're going to pioneer ahead and and they're going to continue to find a way right what are we going to do now what we always do right yeah oh, like it's hell great. yeah it's great. it's great it's cheesy but it's great <laughs> yeah it, it i it, i never was like oh come on <laughs> And then immediately followed one of the best uh, shots for me in the movie is that kind of slow-mo montage of 
um, them riding like quickly through the streets, mm. but it's seen from the perspective of people on a bus. Yeah, on a city bus. I love that. And it it's just it looks like one of those um, like old west paintings. Yes, you know, yeah, that that yeah. kind of old film reel of the horse. One of the first, yeah, you know, like the from the side, yeah. perfectly framed up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I I love the imagery in that scene, and and there's another shot too where they're coming up. I don't remember what they're coming up on, but it's shot from down the road, and basically oh, all yeah, you yeah. see is the heat waves. You know, the distortion of the, yes. the landscape of the heat waves, and then slowly all these figures on horses start to emerge, and that's like maybe the most obvious no overt nod to Westerns. Um, right. But, but, but it was like, Oh yeah, that, that does not feel out of place here. <laughs> no, not at all. They felt like protectors yeah. of the neighborhood or something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. But it just like, like I said, I'm like, man, I just want to hang out in this world a lot longer yeah. than this. I don't even know what it was. Two hours. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I kind of bring up and it's, it's some things that we mentioned. I, talked about that conversation that Cole has with Paris about, you know, Cole had been fighting over this drug corner and got shot. And now, you know, just a few years later, the city put a Starbucks on that corner. Right. And it's like this really clear picture of gentrification and, um, and the, the way that kind of things that are so important to these people, which are like these, you know, these kids on the corners that are, trying to make money pushing drugs whatever are are pushed out and like and like most people would say that that's like a good thing that now there's like a business that can be there that is going to be thriving Mm. or whatever and you know right you know yeah we don't want drugs to be sold on corners in our cities right um right and so that's like you know a moral good thing and we you know it's 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 like funny that it's a starbucks and like how are we supposed to feel that it's a starbucks whatever big corporation but um but then at the same time, then you, I think the movie does a, you know, the movie points to the expansion of uh, just redevelopment and corporation in cities that is pushing drug culture out. But that's also what's pushing the Fletcher Street staples out of the city. And so right. like the, the negative version of that is, you know, the, the people that own the buildings want them out. They're being evicted. The, the horses are becoming a problem. And, you know, they talk about the, the brand new condos that are being put in four blocks away from the stables and that the white hipster latte drinker, um, you know, is offended by the smell. Yeah. They're going to be offended by the smell. And, and so it's, it, it's interesting because in so many different, in, in different places in the movie and different cultures and stories are all being pushed out by almost like the same force within a city. And it's watching kind of characters deal with that. Um, and that's part of why I'd love, a. I would have loved this to be a TV show. Um, yeah. Because I think you can develop that so much better. And, you know, for me as someone who loves the show, the wire, we've mentioned the wire a lot in this episode. If you haven't seen the wire, I don't know. It's the best TV show, right? Yeah, I mean that and Mad that Men, and Mad Men are, I know. are pretty much tied. Um, but Mad Men, I could just watch a zillion times. Yes, yes. The yes. Wire, though, when you're done with your, it's like okay, <laughs> I, I I take a seat, I bow to yeah. to the the greatness, the goat. Um, you know, The Wire was you know early 2000, 2001 or whatever when it premiered, and like 
obviously David Simon, you know, which is insane. It's insane. How, <laughs> like, how well imagine watching The Wire in 2001 and be like, "This is better than <laughs> everything ever." Because <laughs> like now there's so many great shows, yeah. but good lord, <laughs> it's like competing with what Fear Factor. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a show. It's 2001, but yeah, The Wire's early 2000. Early 2001, and so it it definitely sees a lot of this stuff coming. There's storylines with like developers and pushing, you know, working class people and 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 drug culture out. You know, it's the beginning of season three. The the high rises, which are like the project, the building, you know, the the uh, low income housing projects that were basically overrun with, you know, tr- you know, drug dealers and blah 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 they get demolished they get you know demolished by the city as like this mark of progress or whatever and like the people you know on the ground like like miss that or whatever and and so the the wire imagines the future of gentrification and development in cities but it i don't think it it doesn't exist in the time where starbucks are popping up in inner city baltimore right and now right. 20 15 years later that's where we're at that's what we're seeing and I, I would love to, I would love the wire, go back to Baltimore and do a season today, um, right? Like, yeah, be like we called it. <laughs> and and I think like Concrete Cowboy is is that it's it it exists in and you know it doesn't do it to the degree to as successfully or affecting or any of that. And it's not, you know, it's it's trying to tell its own story. So I don't want to denigrate the movie by right. saying that but, totally. but it definitely exists in this kind of heritage of both you know american westerns but also like the kind of social commentary shows like the wire um yeah and it, i thought it com- came together really well and and i think about the wire and like omar is he is a cowboy <laughs> right right <laughs> right totally he's oh. there's there's an outlaw nature to it yes and and the wire really understood that when they create a character like omar they they are very aware that he exists as an outlaw cowboy in this world and so i i I guess i'm surprised about how well concrete cowboy works in some of these ways but i shouldn't be because um boy the wire is so good (laughs) like yeah that that comparison of worlds yeah has has been proven that there's some meat there yes um, it's funny we brought up Mad Men too, because one of the reasons I love Mad Men is that the, I, there's no characters with freaking cell phones ever. Mm. And so when Don is just at a desk with a journal writing, being like, hey, I feel weird today. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and it's so refreshing that e- even uh, social gatherings are all, um, or, or any any activity, whether it be drinking or smoking or whatever, like, you know, vice that people partake in in, in Mad Men. It usually revolves around some social aspect, yeah. and and I had a similar feeling watching Concrete Cowboy. I don't know the year that this movie takes place. I mean, there's a security card, like we said, playing a Game Boy, so feels a few years back. But then again, they're talking about Starbucks on every corner, so who knows? But there's no cell phones. No. There's just like like the campfire in an inner city gave me a sense of. I, like a craving yeah. for like human connection oh, man. that has nothing to do with this dumb online world that a lot of people are living more on instead yeah. of in real life. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and part of that's pand- pandemic fatigue. That how long how I would long to sit around a campfire, not not up in the mountains, but like in in the city somewhere with right. people. <laughs> right, right. There's just such a um, there's an energy concern. Yeah, there's such a concern for connecting yeah. with the, the living thing in front of you. Yeah, yeah, and, and a um, dismissal. Yeah, of a lot of um, stuff that. Like it's it. I was talking to Sarah today about phone addiction. Um, I for, I forget what brought it up, but I know it's addiction because it's something I know I don't want to do, but I do it all the time. You know. Yeah. And so even just watching people not have that be part of their life is pretty refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. I I think about the scene we haven't talked about yet, but it's like the day that they are doing like horse races out in the field and oh, yeah. there's all this food and music and dancing it's like a block party. and it's just a big block party. And it's like, Oh, that, yeah, that just looks like fun. <laughs> yeah. The connection. Yeah. Connection around this thing. Yeah. But... Connection around this culture and, yeah. and the way, you know, I, we haven't talked about him a ton, but method man's character, Leroy as this cop who, you know, came such a great character. Came up in the stables, has a lot of affection and love for this community, respect for it, but also he is a police officer and he represents the city, and so there's some tension in that. Um, yeah, and you know he doesn't get a lot to do in the movie. I, I, it's it's a rare. This is a rare movie where I'd say make make the ten episode Netflix show about it. Right, <laughs> we're we're typically leaning a little bit more movie. Uh, or pro movie versus yes. like turn everything into a TV show. Yes. But this feels like <laughs> the the format of the show would serve it better. Yeah. But yeah. all that to say, let's move on to our segments here. All right, favorite shot, Mitchell, go for it. Okay. I've dang it. I've got a few. You name yours first and right. whatever you don't choose, I'll pick up. Yeah, I told you uh, I said earlier one of my, my favorite scene in the movie is the kind of conflict confrontation between cole and harp after um uh, you know after harp has spent so much time helping others at the staples and cole calls him out for kind of being a better dad to everybody else but him and then harp monologues about cole's birth and his name and and you can just see how affecting this is for both men and how they're connecting probably for the first time in their entire lives and they're yeah. ever in their relationship. And there's this shot at the end of the scene where the two of them are just sitting on this like beat up old couch together and just yeah. kind of sitting in the weight yes. of the conversation. That's a good moment. And the weight of the reality of their relationship. And, and it just, the yeah. camera just kind of holds there for a moment. And I it was really the, beautiful like shot. A smoke plume yeah. In the air. Yeah. It's, from it, it's harps. It's like this dusty, you know, uh, apartment because there's a horse that lives there and and Harp smokes all the time. He's smoking yeah. in every scene. <laughs> it literally feels like the dust settling after a big fight. Yes, yeah, uh, and I, I, it's a beautiful shot and it, it's a great kind of cap to that emotional scene. Yeah, that's good. And then I think for me it would be I've got my favorite like still. And then favorite scene, ah, eh, they might be the same. So mine would just be the the yin to that yang, which is there when um, Harp is washing coal in the stable. Yeah, and it's so intimate for a father son. Like I said earlier, I've I can't recall a movie that so effectively, like like, uh, plugs into that 
intimacy. Yeah. With that relationship, you know, because I mean, and so he's washing the, or Harp is washing the blood off of Cole Smush's blood. Yeah. After holding his friend who was dying, and uh, and Cole eventually collapses and kind of releases a, a movie, or really, fifteen years of yeah, uh, just the weight of his life and and problems he releases it and collapses into his dad's arms after being washed by him but it's so it's pretty arresting to see uh a grown man washing another grown man yeah because cole in this movie is like 15 16 so he's just about you know and uh yeah there's there's a moment where the camera's more panned out and where they're kind of sitting on these milk crates in a stable and um yeah, it's my favorite moment in the movie, but another just like unreal shot is Cole learning to he's trying to learn how to stand up on his horse with um his eventual girlfriend, I think. Mm-hmm. In the yeah, movie. I don't know. I don't remember her name, but um it's at it's at sunset. Yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. And it's so it's like sun's so almost gone that they're both just like black silhouettes yeah. and the, the sky is so sherbert colored. Yeah. Um, and it's like slow mo, but there's like it. it it's especially uh, beautiful. Yeah, and and with the and, they both have cowboy hats on. I mean, it's like straight out of a western. Yeah. It's it's great. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's the the most contrasting silhouettes of them. Um, it's really nice. So those were probably my two, and then obviously the one I mentioned earlier, the bus scene that feels like a painting of them like riding through town. Yeah. I like that one a lot. You're talking about when the bus dri- the bus rides by and, um, and the kid sees them. The kid sees the from inside the bus. And what I love about that one is just like just I don't know. It feels like the colors are really different. Like there's like greens and blues yes. in it that are different than the palette of the rest of the movie. Um, it's a lot like the rest of the movie is a lot dustier. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know. I just I like that. I like that kind of. Um, it gets lush. Mm-hmm. Yep. Favorite shots done. Letterbox review. Letterbox reviews. What did what What did you give this for your letterbox uh, review? So I changed this in real time uh, as we were whoa, recording whoa. this. I I finished this the other night and I I like have an immediate reaction, which is a lot of what we talked about. There's some parts of this that don't work, narrative stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it left me wanting more. I gave it three out of five stars, but I bumped it up to three and a half because I, I think there. I think I want to. I want to grade it on uh, how well it's doing what it does, and mm. also there's a lot of potential here that I don't think is like squandered. I, but I. I don't know. I, it's kind of com- it's complicated. This is a. I want to see what this guy goes on to do. Um, yeah, and. Ricky Staub, I, I want to go see the next movie that he makes. And yeah. um, I think this movie, he I think he got a lot in here and it's messy, but boy, it's, it, 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 it does. There are parts of this that work. Yeah. I, I was similarly wavering between three, three and a half. I stuck with three just cause I so rarely have the, I wish this was a show yeah. moment, but I think it is telling how much you and me both really want a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it, and it's like to the point where it's frustrating. And look, 
it may just be that I want a sixth season of The Wire, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> You're like, what's your view? I love a new season of The Wire, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> so please, please force Stringer Bell. I know... Uh, no spoilers. Just Stringer on a horse? Are you kidding? Oh my gosh. Stringer on a horse with against Brother Muzone and Omar. <laughs> who's who's the guy? Who's the wire Treme? Who's that guy? David Simon, where where are you? Philly, inner city, cowboy culture. I know. I know. What more do you need? I know. Well, all right, that that's kind of wraps up our that. conversation today. This is a good one. If you haven't checked out Concrete Cowboy, it's totally worth your time and it's on Netflix. And you've probably seen it splashed across your homepage over the last couple of weeks. Before we just kind of close everything, Mitchell, what are we watching next week? Oh, God. Oh, God. You ready? Apparently, we are, we are watching Promising Young Woman. Yes. Promising Young yeah. Woman. Okay. A couple of things. Full disclosure. A couple of reasons we're watching this and kind of neither of us have seen it. It finally, the price finally dropped down for on-demand rental to like five bucks on iTunes and Amazon and all of that. So it's more accessible and we'd encourage you guys. Uh, I've heard great things about this movie. I have friends of mine uh, who have recommended it. They really loved it. And it is nominated for a ton of Academy Awards. It has been winning a lot of awards uh, during this award season. And um, when that episode comes out on April 20th, our Promising Young Woman episode, that'll just be five days before the Oscars. So it's Oscars week, and we're going to watch another big Best Picture nominee. And um, Promising Young Woman is making a splash and has been for a few months. So... We're gonna we're gonna yeah. see what all the hype is about. We are we are uh, hesitant. It uh, uh, we're, we're we're not sure how this is. I don't gonna know go why I am. <laughs> I'm just like I don't want to watch this movie. No, it's gonna be great, audience. And I think even if even because if we don't like the movie, our conversation is gonna be great. It's gonna be unreal. Probably probably I'm pretty good at telling from a trailer whether or not I'm gonna like a movie. This one. <laughs> I don't think, but who knows? Who knows? Hopefully you watched the trailer for I Care A Lot and said we should do an episode on that. You know what? Gosh darn it, you're right. I don't know. You're exactly right. Well, let's do some housekeeping then. All right. As always, you can uh, follow us, connect with us throughout the week uh, on Instagram, Movies While They Sleep, and on Twitter, MWTSPod. Uh, but really on Instagram. But really on Instagram. <laughs> and uh, this week we had a lot of Godzilla versus King Kong content. We had favorite shots. <laughs> Too much. Movies. It was a lot. So we're excited to get some new stuff in there. But that's where you're going to find favorite shots. You can share your own favorite shots from these movies. Uh, we'd love to see that. Tag us. We'll share it. You can follow us on there. And uh, and that's a great place also to just get updates um, for the next episode, stuff like that and Mitchell teasing merchandise that's not really even available. <laughs> but it will be someday, yes. someday soon, yes. fans. Con- contests will be coming. Anyway, all that all that to say, uh, we would love also uh, Apple Podcast reviews mean the world to us. Yes. At least that's what Apple tells us to say. Uh, five-star reviews or written reviews help the show get seen and therefore heard by viewers just like you. So if you have a spare moment, we would greatly appreciate that. And um, next week, Promising Young Woman. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week. Good night, y'all. Bye.
the wine club.